Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. The demons believe and tremble. When I think of that, wow, if demons believe in God, then why can't they be saved? You ever think of that? If demons believe, as it says, why can't they be saved? You know why demons will never be saved? Because demons will never repent. Never. They will never turn from wickedness. But also, we need to understand that there is more than one kind of belief here. Did you, did you know that? That there's more than one kind of belief? If demons can believe and not be saved, then obviously there has to be more than one kind of belief. Whoa. Whoa, Ray, hang on. What's going on here? You just threw me. (laughs) I know, it threw me too. When we think of the word belief, typically when I think of the word belief, I think of this automatic um, picture comes into my mind of Holy Spirit activation power. That's what I think of. But there's another kind of belief. Dead belief. There's dead faith. James is talking about dead faith. There's dead belief. There's dead belief. Dead belief is when someone says God is out there, but they have never given their life to Him. They've never submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's dead belief, just like dead faith. A lot of people who are not saved, they know that there is a God out there somewhere. They believe there is a God out there somewhere. They, that, that a Jesus went and died on the cross, that a Noah floated on a boat, a, J, a David killed a Goliath. That, yeah, they believe that stuff. They, they, they know about it. But gospel belief is the kind of belief that is quickened and stimulated by the Holy Spirit of God. Very different. It's a belief that exceeds the shallow thinking that God just merely exists. It is a belief where the person who believes submits themselves to God's authority because they love Him and they want to know Him for all eternity. That's the belief we should be holding. So, do the, belie- do the demons believe in God? Yeah. They've seen Him before. They got kicked out of heaven. They, they've been there. Do they believe in God? Of course they do. They've been there where we're trying to get. But they'll never have the Holy Spirit love of God because they will never repent. They will never turn from wickedness. And so they can never come to the kind of belief that you and I get to have with God. And so that's why James said, you believe there's one God. Okay, great. But that's just like the demons kind of belief who actually hate God. There's a belief in God where you actually hate God versus a belief in God where you love him. Now, Matthew 3 and 8, Jesus had commanded us to produce works that are worthy of repentance. In other words, your life must show visible evidence 
that you have turned from sin. Now, I pray, and I'm very concerned for all the people out there that I know who have told me that they have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they're still out there wallowing in the same sin that they were in before. That concerns me. That concerns me deeply. Demons are so hard-boiled in wickedness that they will never repent, and they will never be saved. And when people confess Jesus or say they do, but they go right back out and do the same wickedness that they'd always been in, like nothing changed at all, it concerns me that the reason they do this is because they are being deceived by the very demons who believe but who tremble at God, making these people that they dominate to have the same kind of dead belief that the demons themselves have. Scary. Friends, I want you to see how severe of a thing it is to claim to believe in God while refusing to repent and turn from your sin. It's dead. When someone says, I believe in God, but they won't repent, they're acting just like the demons that inhabit them, that influence them. So James is really calling out the fakers, isn't he? You believe there is one God. Great. So do demons, but they tremble because they are not saved. They hate God. Not only are they not saved, but I looked into the Hebrew word in there for tremble. It also means to shudder. It also means to bristle up like the hair on their back stands up. You've seen a dog or a cat when they get mad, their hair bristles up. And that's why you that's why the the hairs on your toothbrush are called bristles because they're straight up and they're rigid and they're they're hard and abrasive. That word means that tremble, they bristle up. The mere thought of God makes them angry and they bristle up in the hostility that they hate God and they believe in him. But they won't repent and they won't be saved. And James is talking about people that act just like the demons do. You believe there's one God, you do well, great. Even the demons believe, and they tremble because they hate God. Wow, James, you're freaking me out, man. (laughs) But this happens out there. People do this. Most people know that the God of Israel exists, but the thought of submitting to the biblical God of Israel, instead of the false one that they've made up, it infuriates them, it bristles them up, and it makes them shake because they hate him, like the demons do, because they want everything their way, not God's way. And that is demonic and is dangerous. James is pressing us believers to be better than this. He's trying to get people to stop professing cheap claims of believing in God. Our confession of Jesus needs to be sourced from a true desire to have an authentic relationship with God, a union so deep that it will flow out of our mouths as praise and out of our behavior as visible works of genuine faith. That's how we're supposed to be living, if you're really saved. James 2 and 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? He's asking, do you want to know? It's like, if this is the way we're going, don't you want to know this? Isn't this important that you ought to want to know this? This faith that, oh, I believe in God, I'm okay. Don't you want to know that this is dead? This is what James has been trying to tell us here all along with his questions. Faith without works is dead. This is where most people do scripture gymnastics here 
And they try to say that to be saved, you have to have works. Again, remember, Ephesians 2 stands in the way of that. You don't get that no more. You have to have faith through grace through faith, not works, not of yourselves. Remember, Ephesians 2 stops that. You don't do good works to be saved. What James is saying is that if you are saved, then you will be enabled to have good works. Salvation produces good works. Good works do not produce salvation. I'll say that again. Salvation produces good works. Good works do not produce salvation. Now, one thing I like what James did here in verse 20 is that he did not go into a lengthy counter-discussion argument with the guy saying that he has faith but no works. All James would say was, you foolish man. He didn't feel the need to get in this lengthy, drawn-out conversation. You foolish man. It's foolish the way you're going. James is not going to get into a bullheaded argument about this, and quite frankly, neither should we. You can brew four pots of coffee and stay up all night and go round and round and be the same place you were. (laughs) Tell people, but don't go round and round with them. If they're not going to take it, they're not going to take it. So James is teaching it's not pro-works and anti-faith, nor is it pro-faith and anti-works, but rather spiritual works are the evidence of, not the cause of sincere faith. Spiritual works are the evidence of, not the cause of, genuine, sincere faith. James 2 and 21, another example. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Okay, here is a new word we need to understand in here that James gave us is a new and a very important word that we need to understand in verse 21. The word justified. The word justified is very important. What does justified mean, especially when it comes to a biblical understanding? Justified means acquitted. Acquitted. It also means pronounced righteous. You can't be righteous until you're acquitted of charges, right? So if you're acquitted, then you're pronounced, you're declared, you are now righteous. That's what justified means. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus was delivered up to die for our offenses And he was raised up again for our justification. He was raised up again so that we could be acquitted of our charges of sin and be declared righteous. So he was was delivered up to die for our offenses. He was raised up again for our justification. Jesus died to atone for your sins, and he was raised from the grave so that we could be declared righteous in him. Now, if Jesus had never risen from the dead, then we could never be justified. If Jesus never rose, I always heard growing up, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that didn't make any sense to me because that sounds like he got beat. (laughs) They never went to the raising part where I can now be justified and declared righteous that I could be acquitted. And everything I've ever done wrong is gone. See, when somebody said Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I'm still living with the guilt of everything I ever did wrong in my life. But I realize now I can be acquitted. I can be justified. God goes, hey, you are now righteous. That's what justified means. 
our victory that in Jesus we have been justified, acquitted of the sin charges against us to where God can proclaim us righteous. And justified means acquitted, declared righteous. And so back to verse 21 again. James says that Abraham was justified, not saved. Do you see that? He was justified, not saved by works and faith. He was justified by it. Remember, back in James 2.14, he asked a question. Remember when he asked, can faith save him? That wasn't a statement. It was a question. Can faith save him? What is he trying to tell us now? Faith and works justifies us. It doesn't save you. It justifies you. It proves that you have been acquitted. It proves that God has declared you righteous. It's justifying you. So now that we better understand the terms that James is using here, look closely at James 2 and 24, because he summarizes it for, for us. In 2 and 24, he says, You see then that a man is what? What's that word? Justified by works and not by faith only. And so James comes full circle back around from the question that he asked earlier, the question when he said, can faith save him? If you were to point blank answer that question, can faith save him? You would say no, it can't. Faith cannot save him. Grace saves. That's what Ephesians 2 said. But faith and works, faith does justify a man who has already believed. And so I want you to look closely now at verses 23 to 24. And I want us to observe the order of what James is saying from 23 to 24. We're going to look at the order of events here real quick. It's very important. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay? What happened first? He believed. That happened first. That's when you're saved is when you believe. Having believed, you're marked. Okay? He believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So when you believe, now you are triggered on for works that prove you've been acquitted. Justified. Make sense? If not, you can play this video back to your heart's content. For those of you in the room, you're like, this isn't a video to me, Ray. This is live. (laughs) That's right. But basically, the next time somebody tries to tell you that you have to have works to be saved, and they point out James 2.14, can faith save him? You answer no, it can't. You answer no, but you show them that James is not making a statement. He's asking a question, a question that has been sparking this very debate for many centuries. And then you take them to verse 24, and you show that person, a man is justified by faith and works. And when they ask what justified means, you say, oh, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. (laughs) When they ask you what justified means, you tell them it's when God pronounces you righteous after you have believed. After you believe, then God can call you righteous. Then you can be acquitted of the charges against you. Just show them the order that James gives us. And now just because James can, he finishes it off with one last example in James 2 and 25. It says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Do y'all remember Joshua? When we studied Joshua, 
when they were about to attack Jericho and Rahab let Joshua's spies in and she got them out safe because she wanted to escape the attack with her family. So she helped the spies. How did she even know to plan along with Joshua's spies? How did she even know to do that? What went off in her that says, help these men? What helped her to do that? Because she had God-given faith to be able to discern what was going on here. She knew it was the right thing to do. Now, she could have just sat there and not worked with them, and then we'd have no proof of Rahab's belief being authentic. It would have produced nothing. All of her and her family would have died. It wouldn't have produced anything. She was justified by her works. The proof of Rahab's belief was proved as real. And she was justified by her works. God knew her belief and and accounted righteousness to her, just like he did with Abraham. And the evidence of that righteousness that she had, she didn't just go around saying she had it. It proved itself. And a lot of people got their lives saved because of it. You ever realize that walking in this way, walking, demonstrating true, genuine belief, the way James is teaching us, could possibly one day save your life and other people that you love? Worked in Rahab's case. She helped Joshua's spies and escaped the judgment. And James finishes by saying, Faith and deeds are just as essential to each other as the body and the spirit. You know, without righteous works as proof, you demonstrate dead faith. Nobody's going to believe you. Oh, hey, you ought to follow this Jesus guy. And they'll look at you and go, yeah, right. I don't want that. But if you demonstrate it and you show them that they can't question that, then when they ask, where do you get this, man? Well, I get it from Jesus Christ. They'll believe you. That's what we're shooting for. Without righteous works as proof, you have demonstrated dead faith. If I were to summarize this chapter, being that James started it by saying we should have no partiality and to use faith together with works, the conclusion can be made that we should serve others with no partiality and we should serve them with a working faith. Everybody with no partiality, a working faith for all people. You know, employees that don't work are very irritating because they don't produce anything, (laughs) right? Don't be an unproductive employee in the kingdom of God. I have two verses that show the different functions of faith and grace. Romans 5 and 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, there it is again, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 2, 8 again, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Which one saves, grace or faith? Grace. Which one justifies grace or faith? Faith. Grace saves and faith justifies. From this study, we should know that good works do not produce salvation. Salvation produces good works. Again, good works do not produce salvation. Salvation produces good works. You don't do good works to get saved. You do good works because you are saved. And the ultimate reason that we need to understand faith is because of Hebrews 11 and 6, which says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that faith can't be a mere empty claim of having it. It has to be a working, valid, tangible, visible, authentic love of Jesus Christ's faith to please God. Let's do communion. As I think of James 2, While the elements are being passed out, as I think of James 2, I want us all to consider our faith, how we claim to have it, 
And if you claim to have it, are you effectively, actively using it? And if you're using it, are you using it properly? Are you doing it the way James said? If not, at least you heard the way James taught on it so that we can. And so my prayer now is for anybody who has been claiming to have faith but has not been using it, or you've been using it with partiality. You've been using your so-called faith, but only to advance your own agendas. May I pray that we learn to use our faith to advance God's kingdom instead of our own kingdom, because that's what God expects of us. Father, we come before you in prayer. Lord, help us in our faith. We want to please you. We don't want it to be impossible to please you, so we know we've got to go to faith for that. Thank you for saving me through the grace that Jesus Christ gives. And Lord, I ask that you tighten up the loose bolts on the machine of my faith and get it running right. Get all the, the, the clankety clanks out of it, the things that don't work right, the things that I'm doing wrong, and teach me to have a non-partial working faith to demonstrate to all the people who are watching me. Lord, thank you that you paid the full price for my salvation. And thank you, Lord God, for saving me. Now let me show the works in my faith what it really means to be saved to those who are still living under the influence of the demonic who think they're saved but are not. The foolish man who is deceived, who doesn't know he can see and know by watching us. Lord, draw your people. But Lord, in that request, draw your people, we become responsible for our own behavior, for our own conduct, and how we manage our lives, how we react to things, how we conduct ourselves. Help us with that, Father, by the grace you gave us that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Tell us how to say yes to good things of you. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. It's not for us, but it's to advance your kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 22 and 14. When the hour had come that he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Father, we thank you for dying for us. Lord, we did this to remember you, to proclaim your death till you come, to remember that our salvation cost an astronomically high price. It cost a lot to buy me. And we thank you that you paid it. You did it from your riches and glory and your sacrifice. You gave yourself up. You died for my offenses, but you rose again for our justification. May we never forget the faith works process of justification. We need to use that. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.